Shall we do a count and a great joy and a privilege to be here at Bible Baptist Church? And uh, Pastor had commented some time ago about when we was going to be in, and uh, I wanted to run away and say no. <laughs> Amen. Think back there, then I stand on the side and just say, "Pray for me." Hopefully, I won't have this much longer. Amen. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate you praying for us. Thank you for those who commented about uh, they've been holding us up in prayer. And uh, we tell folk at church as we go in that uh, there's two things that you can do, and uh, we thank you for it. Number one is obviously support the missionary financially. Amen. And uh, without that, uh, it would be hard to do what God's called us to do. Amen. And uh, good looks definitely don't buy a bag of rice, amen, <laughs> and, or a tank of fuel. But, uh, but the other thing is, of course, prayer. And, of course, prayer alone uh, doesn't keep the missionary on the field. It finances us, too. Just be honest with you, amen. And so we do thank God for both of this church does in, in helping the missionaries, not just us, but other missionaries that are here tonight and been sent out of the church. I thank God, uh, thank God for it and appreciate, appreciate this church and, and for it. Uh, for what uh, for I tell the pastor all the time, thank you for letting me be a member, amen. Yes. And I, I honestly mean that. And uh, for for letting Ben Andrews and his family be a member of Bible Baptist Church. In my book, a Bible Baptist Church stands way out in the distance above all others, amen. And uh, not because we've been in so many other churches on deputation, but in my opinion, uh, the cream of the crop uh, are members here at this church, and we thank you so much for what you've uh, done in your dedication. And, and sincerity to, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Appreciate you praying for us, uh, not just tonight, but down through the months of, uh, of uh, the illness and sickness that we've had. And we thank many times uh, we want to turn our back on God, not, not, not me necessarily, but we, when we get sick or ill, we want to turn our back on God and raise our hand up and say, why, 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 uh, why me? But, you know, God always has a purpose, doesn't he? Amen. We may not see. The one thing about God, he doesn't always let you see uh, the reason why. And uh, so, but I'm just so thankful tonight that uh, uh, you, you stay in the will of God and God will show up. Amen. And I don't have to know the reasons why. All I have to do is just follow him. And I'm reminded of a verse of scripture uh, that I was reading here this past week. And in the book of, uh, of Job, I won't preach, preach on that tonight, but in the book of Job. And uh, somebody, somebody might have been Brother Blue. Uh, said that uh, uh, a missionary will find missions in anything. Amen. And I was reading through the book of Job this uh, last week. If I can find it here in my Bible. Amen. And uh, in, in the book of Job, chapter number 3, and verse number 23, the Bible says, Why is light given to a man? Uh, why is light given to a man that is in misery and life under the bitter in soul? I believe in that verse of Scripture. I'm not going to preach on it tonight, but I believe in that passage of Scripture. We can say that Job had a heart for missions. Amen. And you can take those four or five words in there that are mentioned there, and you can develop a message on missions on it. But I believe Job was a man of, a man of prayer. I believe he, he, the Bible said misery. He, you lose your family, you lose your wealth, you lose everything you have, and you'll end up being in misery too. But at the end of the book of Job, thank God that he kept his, kept his composure, and God blessed him, and God granted him uh, everything that he, he had asked and prayed for, and many things that he did not. I just thank God for Job. But tonight, uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn me to Matthew chapter number 9, 
And uh, I would like to read just a few verses out of Matthew chapter number 9 and then turn over to Second Chron- uh, Corinthians chapter number 5 and just a couple of verses there. And I'd like to speak for just a few moments tonight on this thought, the driving force behind missions and the life of a Christian. Or the driving force, or, or, or a Christian ought to have a driving force behind him to be involved in missions. When I think of these verses of Scripture tonight, and, and I believe any missionary that uh, looks in these passages of Scripture, that they, they should see, not necessarily what I see, but they ought to see the driving force that sent Jesus Christ to Calvary. Amen. And so in Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number uh, 35, the Bible said, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But, uh, but uh, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that is sent forth laborers into his harvest. Notice in verse number 35, uh, the, the Bible said uh, three times it used the word uh, all or every. And Jesus went about uh, all cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing in every sickness and every disease among the people. The word all and every are very uh, similar, except in their spelling, amen. All means all, amen. Every means every, not one left out. I thank God that Jesus Christ has a worldwide vision. I thank God that he has a worldwide vision for the sinners. Every synagogue, every, uh, every place, every village, he went and preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, tonight I pray that you'll work in our hearts and you'll work in our lives, and God, you'll help me to be able to preach the words and the thoughts that you laid upon our heart and our mind tonight. And God, that you'll enable us, and Father, to preach with your power tonight. And God, say those things you want us to say. And Father, those things you do not want us to say, I pray that you'll uh, stop them and not allow them to come out of our mouth tonight. I pray, God, that the words that are said will be a blessing and encouragement to your people. And God, once again, that you'll revive us again. And Father, pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. And God, encourage our hearts to be more faithful in missions. And God, maybe somebody here tonight, you're working in their heart and life. And I know how I was 20-something years ago on missions, God. I wait to this service. I'd wait to the next service. I thought I was waiting for the right time. And I do pray, dear God, tonight that maybe somebody here that is concerned about some lost sinner and concerned about uh, missions, I pray that you'll help them, encourage them. God, just to surrender and realize, dear God, that all power belongs unto you. In Jesus' name we pray and say thank you. Amen uh, and amen. And so, uh, so I was standing thinking uh, tonight, uh, many of you, as I said, praying for us. And we do ask you to continue praying for us. Right now, our passports are in, uh, in the Washington, D.C., waiting for the uh, visa to go back to, uh, go back to uh, P&G. And so uh, I just got a note this last week from our sponsor and said that uh, everything is fine in your end. 
that there was a paper that he needed to fill out in order to uh, get the embassy to go ahead and, and put the stamp on our passport. So we do ask you uh, to pray that that would be done. And in the, obviously in the will and time of God, his will and time is not ours, amen. But we just ask you to uh, pray for that. Tonight, as I said, we read the first description, Matthew chapter number 9, 36 and 38, on the driving force behind missions. Motivation is a hard thing, isn't it? It doesn't matter what field you're in, Papua New Guinea, in the prisons, or wherever you're at. Motivation is a very difficult thing to deal with, especially in our Baptist churches. When we see and we understand as God does, we will be able to, uh, uh, does, we will be motivated to work for him. I think tonight, uh, as I just got four or five points I want to leave with you tonight, and I believe that these are the motivations of which caused Jesus Christ to be, uh, be the mission person that he was. Amen? And I believe if we incorporate these things into our life tonight, I believe that, there, that uh, there's nothing that, that God cannot do through Bible Baptist Church in the, in the realm of missions. Like I said, motivation is a difficult thing. It's very hard to get people motivated. You live in New Guinea 19 years like we live in New Guinea, and it's amazing uh, what God can do. Uh, the work, last work that we took, we had approximately, took it with approximately 35 people uh, in the church. And the, we took it, in the, and before we took the work, there was a, a family who's now our song leader. And uh, he, he and his family, I think there were maybe five, maybe seven people every Saturday. They would get down there at the, at the church, and they begin to have their own prayer meeting and ask God to move and to uh, rebuild the church and revive the church and to send the missionary back to, back to the town of Kimby and revitalize the work. And I thought, sorry for you. You shouldn't have asked God to send me back. Amen. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, God sent us back there. We took over the work with approximately 30, 35 folk in it, and uh, we saw the work grow in six months to 150 people. And then another six months later, today they run approximately 300 on a good Sunday. Amen. And why? Because God enabled us through the power and through the preaching of the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Ghost to motivate people, to move upon people. Why? That they might have a burden for sinners. Lost and undone on, on, on their way to hell. Before, before we left, uh, one of our, one of our uh, uh, members there come up to me and he said, Missionary, is there anything you can do to help us when our lost loved ones who are locked up in jail, locked up in prison. You know, for those 19 years that, we, that we've been there in, in Papua New Guinea, not one time as a preacher, not one time that we know of a missionary right, has gone out in the prisons. And I said, you pray and you do what God, uh, and, and we'll do what God leads us to do, amen. And of course, you know, God led us to Rock of Ages and thank God for it. We'll be able to go into those prisons in Papua New Guinea. 20,000 souls locked up and nobody has spread the gospel to them. Thank God we got the wonderful opportunity to take the word of God to those precious men and women, boys and girls. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, our work is, is tumultuous and we can't do it on our own. We need motivation. I called a brother that called me and said uh, what we was doing and going. And he took this, uh, took the uh, comment to the church one Sunday morning and said the missionary is coming back and uh, he's going to get involved in the prisons. Uh, you're all behind it. And they, in unison they said, yes, tell the missionary to hurry up and get back. Amen. And so we're looking forward to it and, and what God is going to do in the work there in Papua New Guinea. But, uh, you know, the Bible tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 
but we are made, but, uh, we are made manifest under God. Uh, and I trust also that you made manifest in, uh, made manifest in your conscience. One of the things that uh, motivate me, that ought to motivate you, that motivates our pastor, one of the things that motivate us to do the work of God. I believe the first and foremost thing is the fear of God. Amen. Years ago, and we don't see it so much now, and I don't know why, but the, and it's probably a good thing, but you know, the, years ago, you'd, you'd see young people uh, walking the streets in Walmart and Kmart and every, every other kind of market that says, no fear, having no fear. I fear for those people because one day they'll stand before a thrice holy God and as we'll have to give an account to God for what we've done in this body since we've been saved, yet those folk will have to give an account to God for what they've done with Christ. There is, the Bible says in Romans 3.18, concerning that entire chapter 3, verses 10 down to verse number 23, deal with the condition of the lost man. And verse number 18, the Bible says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's why men and women are dealing with drugs and that's why men and women go out and do the things that they do. That's why men and women fight and fume and why there's so much chaos in the world because they have no fear of God. We need to have the fear of God. We need to understand the simple fact that we are standing before a thrice holy God and one day the lost sinner will stand and reap what he sowed. They'll say, the lost soul, he'll say, I don't want God in my life. One day he'll get what he wants. Amen. One day he'll receive what he wants. And God, uh, at that time, will turn his back. Thank God. The lost man ought to thank God that God has not turned his back on him tonight. You say, uh, oh, yes, I'm lost, but God's turned his back on me. Things are not going my way. Look, you got life tonight. God blesses you whether you like it or not. You're living in a blessed world. You're living under the power and under the almighty hand of God tonight. You might be lost. You may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but friend, tonight, you need to understand one thing in Romans 3, 18. There is no fear of God before your eyes. One day, you're going to get what you're reaping tonight or what you're sowing tonight. And 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 1, Heaven, therefore, these, daily, uh, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a verse I find in two times in, in the book of Psalms, and once, I believe it's in the book of Deuteronomy, First Chronicles, that says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The, pro, the reason that Christians have problems in their life tonight it's because they're trying to worship God in their own way. Amen. They're trying to come to God in their own way. God knows nothing of cowboy churches. Amen. <laughs> I know, I know a, a, a friend, I used to be a friend, a missionary that he came off the field and, he, and because of going to get tough and family problems and stuff, he went and passed at a church. But the church that he pastored is a charismatic church. It's called River Church. Amen. You know, brother and sister tonight, he has no fear of God. We need a fear of God tonight. Amen. We need to have fear. This word fear means to reverence, to respect, to give honor, to give homage to God. Thank God here at Bible Baptist Church, 
Most of the time, I say most of the time because there's always somebody there that doesn't, amen. But we try our best to honor. We try our best to worship God. The Bible tells us in John 4, 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Reverence God. Thank God for Bible Baptist Church. It teaches us. I tell, them, I tell the folk in New Guinea, you know, Bible Baptist Church, and I church Bible Baptist Church in New Guinea, but uh, it's in New Guinea, I, uh, our pastor and, and many preachers here, they're just household names in Papua New Guinea because of the testimony that you have. I think of Brother Roach, and, and many times as we preach, we use him as an example and a testimony of the power and the blessing of God, and his name has become a household name. And Brother Cape, his name has become a household name in Papua New Guinea. Why? Because these are men and women that fear God. Amen. Cleansing themselves from the filthiness of the flesh. You know, Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear, uh, uh, in the fear of, uh, of God. And Deuteronomy 4, 24, uh, for the Lord our God is the consuming fire, even a jealous God. Yet men and women today don't have fear of God. If you don't understand the fact that he's a jealous God, understand the fact that he's not going to play second fiddle to anybody, understand the fact that he's not going to give his glory to you, that belongs to him. Amen. If we understand those facts tonight, that it's all God, there's nothing else. I like the song we, how we sing, it's all him. Amen. And it is all him. All the glory belongs to him. As the brother was testifying tonight, thank God I'm not what I used to be. Oh, yeah, I thank God I'm not what I used to be. Oh, yes, brother and sister, tonight I just want to thank God and, and give him all the honor and the glory that he's made a change in my life. He's made a change in my thinking. He's made a change in my attitude. Thank God I'm not what I'm going to be too. Amen. Yes, thank God. I'm, I'm just thank God that uh, uh, one of these days uh, uh, that uh, what I've been looking forward to, that holiness and, that, and, and to be able to walk and talk in the presence of God with the power and the blessings of a holy life one day will be mine. We see in Hebrews 9, verse, uh, 12, verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. The lost world today don't understand this simple fact that God is a consuming fire. One day it will be too late. There will be no time to repent. I see, first of all, the driving force in the life of a Christian is that we ought to have the fear of God in our life, respect. I say secondly tonight that uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 8, hey, now he that planteth and, and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive, uh, uh, receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then we see in verse number uh, 10, uh, of 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone that may receive the things done in his body. I don't know much about the judgment seat of Christ. About all I know is what I read in the world. Uh, obviously, what I read in the word of God, but that we all must appear before the judgment seat. I know that the judgment seat in the very word itself and defines it as a place of judgment. Will we receive what the good, the, the good that we've done or the bad in this body? God will judge us for that. Some months ago, maybe pastors preaching along this, or I heard somebody else preaching, and one of our meetings uh, quoted the verse of Scripture, and I thought, you know, woe is me. I need to shape up. Amen. 
because I fear the judgment seat. What that ought to do to me, it ought to make me become more, not just dependent and reliant on Christ, but it ought to cause me to want to go out and win more people to Jesus Christ. We've heard preachers all our lives say, when we get to heaven, we wish we'd done more. You know, why wait to then to decide, like, why not right now make that decision? Seven, uh, uh, 8.7 million people alive in Papua New Guinea tonight. 20,000 of them locked up in prison. And uh, in our town alone, in the town of Kimby, there's, a, there's approximately uh, 40,000 people. And we've done our best every Saturday to hand out tracts. When we first got there in 2000 from the, the borderline of West New Britain, East New Britain, all the way back down uh, into uh, where the vehicle could not drive any longer, we was handing out tracts. We had bags of tracts, and we had people riding with us. We'd give them bags, and we'd just throw tracts outside the highway. People would come out of the bush and pick them up. And as a result, Brother, uh, Brother Ellis tonight, as a result, whenever we walk in Papua New Guinea in, in, on our island, everybody knows who we are. It doesn't matter if it's a rascal. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a religious people. They know. Why? Because the name of our church, and, and they know that we're the only ones. And all these years, we're the only ones that ever have delivered gospel tracts. Brother Stanley Blue said, you can't give a tract to a wrong person. And I believe that. I took that, and I still take that knowledge and that, and that uh, idea with me. As we, in the beginning, we hand out tracts. Well, I don't want it. And, I, and we went to uh, handing out tracts in the community place, a Seventh-day Adventist person, and uh, I give him a little booklet and a little track. He said, I don't want that. I'm a Seventh-day Advent. I don't need that. And I said, well, okay. Uh, I, uh, he didn't want to read it because it messes his mind. That's what it do. Amen. And so I said, that's all right. You take it, read it in your time. Oh, I don't want it. Well, they're, they're a governor, if you will, or they're a priest or whoever he wants. Would, would, uh, the uh, minister said, don't take the tracks from the white man because it will mess your mind up. Well, you see, dear friend, and I would hand them, would hand them out anyhow and say, read it. It may change your mind. Amen. We was handing out tracts on the end of our island, uh, taking a boat trip to the mainland. And uh, this little old village, uh, I forget the name of the village at the moment, and uh, uh, there's never been a work there to my knowledge. And I had about 100 tracts, and I started to hand them out. And the Catholic priest said, can I have one? And I didn't know who he was at the time. I said, certainly. And I gave him that gospel tract. He looked at it and said, you have some more? I said, certainly. He said, oh, I see you got a lot. Let me have a bunch of them. I'll help you hand them out. Well, I didn't care if the Catholic priest or who he was. Amen. At least the word of God was going forth. Amen. I thought maybe if he reads it, he read one, two, or three, maybe they get saved. But you know, brother and sister tonight, the ju- that's why we continuously hand out gospel tracts. That's why we go on the streets and preach the gospel. Why? Because men and women are lost and undone and on their way to hell. You're the only book, yes, that some will ever be. We. You may be the only testimony. You may be the only person that ever shares with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember reading the book of Ezekiel where Ezekiel said, if the watchman doesn't warn the wicked of the wicked way, then you will receive judgment because you didn't warn the wicked of their evil way. Oh, it's a, it's a desire to us. We've been, we've been run down, as you know. You've read, read, we've testified and talked to you. We've been read down, run down by Catholic priests, and we've had people with spears chase us out of certain villages and, and just hate and despise us. We've even had our own church people locked up in jail. Why? Because I was taking a stand on the Word of God. Amen. 
But that doesn't deter us. That doesn't stop us. As a matter of fact, my wife tell you, when, when you put Ben under pressure, that's when he begins to blossom. That, that's when he begins to go out. And every child of God ought to be that way. When you put under pressure, it ought to cause you to go out and do more for Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. You, well, our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nobody was under, put under pressure like he was. Stood him before Pilate, and they whipped him and chased him, hung him on a cross, and yet he, he, he bloomed like a flower, and tonight we're saved by the grace of God. So the judgment seat of Christ, it ought to be a motivation behind missions. Then I see tonight in, Saint, uh, in Galatians chapter number uh, 6 and verse number 14, very familiar passage of Scripture. But God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the world is crucified unto me, and I under the world. I was thinking about that verse today. You know, we ought to, we ought to be a church that's shouting, rejoicing, even more so than what we do because of that simple verse right there. The world is crucified unto me. Amen. It has no power over you. It's dead to you. We ought to take it to heart. The world is dead to you and I, and we ought to be dead to the world. We should not let the world influence us. We should not let the world take control of us. It doesn't let us take control of it, amen? So, uh, so we should have that, uh, that mutual agreement. You can leave me alone, I'm going to leave you alone, amen? And so by God forbid that we should take glory, saving the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where I go. That ought to motivate us to do more for missions because of the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ died on all rugged cross and set us free. That ought to make us excited tonight. The world is crucified on us and us under the world. And fourthly tonight, what ought, what ought to motivate you and I tonight is simply this, the lostness of the sinner. Do you remember how lost you was before you were saved? You didn't think there's no hope and there wasn't any hope. You, you, you believed there's no help in sight and there was no help in sight. I remember on August 15, 1985, headed on I-75 and talking to my counselor, uh, the, the man that counseled me to Christ, that little brown Toyota Corolla that I had. We pulled off the interstate near Faith Baptist Camp and I said, I had no hope that there's no help for me. And he said, that's just where God wants you to be because he can help you. He's the only hope you need. Amen. Oh, I just want to thank God tonight that I have hope in him. Amen. The lostness of the sinner. The Bible declares in this verse of Scripture tonight that we read in Matthew chapter number 35 and verse number 36 uh, and, and, and verse number 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. My brother takes care of cattle and he had a few sheep. They're in the state of Maine, and, and uh, he says, you know, Ben, sheep are the dumbest, dumbest animal there is. <laughs> he said, no wonder Jesus typified us as sheep in this verse that we're reading, gone astray. They'll eat about anything. I mean, they'll, they'll eat wire. If you, if you don't, if you don't uh, train them and teach them, they'll eat garbage just like a goat will. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, uh, but uh, you teach them and train them. And uh, there's certain grass that, uh, that uh, uh, a sheep, a lamb cannot eat because that grass is like stick and it's sharp like razors and it'll cut their tongues. So a good shepherd will not allow his sheep to go in the pastures that is dangerous. And so I say the lostness of the sinner. As I already mentioned tonight, we see 
people drink liquor and, and, and smoke and do things that they do. Why? I mean, those things don't mean that a person is going to hell. But for those who look on, it makes them believe that they are there, amen, or came from there, amen. But, uh, but the, the losses of the sinner. Sin is a very devastating thing. The Bible says in Romans 3, 9, what then, are we better than they? No and no wise. We're no different than the lost. The only thing that makes us different is the grace of God. Amen. We've been saved by the great, good grace of God. And so, why then are we better than they? No and no wise. For we have uh, before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they're all under sin. And it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. For there's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone astray, all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And then verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Many times we hear people testify and even ourselves that we try to get to God on our own terms, try to get to heaven on our own way. The Bible says in Proverbs that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I say when I was 26 years old, many times I sit down and meditate on that. I shake my head and I said, oh God, would you please forgive me for not trusting you sooner? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, the, but I, I, I think that uh, maybe I had not to think like that the, because I, I can't say I don't have any choice. But, you know, God allowed me to hear the word of God at the right time. The Kingsman sing, sing a song, Just in Time. I know that I was saved right at the very uh, uh, portals uh, before I died and went to hell. God reached out and saved me by his amazing grace. Lost and undone. And surely and certainly the next step that I'd have taken, I'd have ended up in hell. But God in his grace and his mercy reached out and saved my soul before it was eternally too late. Matthew 6, 9, verses 36 to 38, we've already read. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. They have no shepherd. The lost have no shepherd. Thank God we have a shepherd. I'm thankful the Holy Ghost lives inside of my heart, lives inside of my life. Amen. Leads me and guides me and directs me. The driving force behind missions, the lostness of the sinner, it ought to motivate us to win people to Jesus Christ. Now I say last of all tonight, The testimony of the saints. There's a song, I forget how it goes now, but there's a verse in it that says, free from sin, oh, perfect condition. Amen. Each one of us has been saved by the good grace of God. We, because there is no other way to be saved, but by the good grace of God, amen. But all of us that are saved tonight, we are free from sin. And we ought to say with the songwriter, oh, perfect condition. Amen. Perfect condition. Amen. Perfect, yes, because sin does not have a, no longer has a hold on us. The things that we would do, we no longer do. The places we want to go and, and used to go, we no, no, we no longer go to those places. God's made a change in our heart and our life. John 8, verse number 32, the Bible says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. 
That word make is very similar to the word create. And of course, we can see in St. Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So the driving force uh, and missions, what causes me to go out and continue going out and, and, and continue uh, uh, working in missions is because the testimony of the saints. Years ago, somebody asked me, how long are you going to continue in missions? <laughs> I've been asked that since we've been back and since this illness that we had uh, overtook us. Uh, are you going to quit? You're going to give up. And, you know, I find no place to quit. Laying there in a hospital bed, you've heard me say, some of you told personally, but laying there in a hospital bed, what am I going to do? God the Holy Ghost says, there's no place to quit. I'll take care of it. Amen. I'll develop it for you. I'll, I'll uh, make a change for you so that you can continue uh, going on for the glory of God. And I read in the book of Acts where the apostle uh, Paul made the statement that there must people in this city. 8.7 million people in Papua New Guinea. When we first went in 2000, there's 4.7 million. Nearly twice as many people living in Papua New Guinea. That tells me that it's at the least that many more to be reached with the gospel in Papua New Guinea. We have too much to do, amen, than to sit down and not do anything. Amen. Three Federal prisons in Papua New Guinea, like I said, and 20,000 locked up. The only brother that we know that's there doing anything, he's uh, been through some of Rock of Ages classes, brother Michael Saka, and he's doing a great job. But, you know, uh, when, when we go back, we can help him out. We can uh, work, our people will help us out on our, on our island. We got a brother that's pastoring a church there in Port Moresby uh, who will help us out as, too, as well. And so these opportunities are open where we can do Something great for the glory of God. If anything gets done, it will be great. Amen. But we do pray. I said, pray therefore the Lord of harvest and for laborers in his harvest. That's what we stand in need of tonight is laborers. The work is too great. I've only commented about the population in Papua New Guinea. If I have it right, it's seven seven and a half, nearly 7.8 7, 7. billion people alive on this planet tonight. Every once in a while, we get an email from a church down in Florida that says, pray for laborers. There's more, people, more missionaries coming off the field than there is going. What is wrong? Tell me, church, tonight, what is wrong with somebody surrendering to missions? Is anything wrong with that? Well, I'm too old. I think we ought to take a look at, a look at uh, oh, I'm too educated. They need me in this field. Well, you know, let somebody else do it. <laughs> Surrender to God. Follow God's will. Do what he tells you to do. The testimony of the saints, this is what keeps us going for the glory of God. Now, I'm saying conclusion tonight. When we take a look at these motivation factors tonight that we find in Matthew chapter number 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and these five areas tonight, it ought to cause us to be more than happy to win others and send others where we cannot go. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things, so as I have commanded you, and Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Of course, you know, Papua New Guinea is, is, is known as being the end of the earth, but that, and I believe that verse of Scripture not only means that, that place, but it also means the most dirtiest and drudgiest and, and most awful place that men can go. Go to those areas and win men and women for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 When we meditate on it, and Brother Ellis will tell you tonight, probably one of the places that men do not want to go is to go into prisons because they are fearful of hearing the doors locked. Amen. And they say, they say, let them do their time. They've done the crime, let them do their time. But I say to you tonight, such for all of us, but by the grace of God. I believe that they need to hear, need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ one last time before it's eternally too late. And Jesus made that statement in, in verse, number thir- uh, verse number 36 and uh, verse number uh, 37. Uh, when he, he said unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. His harvest is not mine. The work that we do in New Guinea and Lord willing here in a few months going to Guam. It's not my work. It's, the, it's God's field. It's God's harvest. I just lift my hands up towards heaven and thank God. God could have found somebody else. And maybe he should have. But I'm just so thankful that he chose pick me. And picked me up and said, Ben... There's a field out here. As crazy as you may be and as foolish as you may be and as loud as you may be and uncouth as you may be, you're the servant and you're the soldier that will get the job done and I'm sending you. Amen. Our Father tonight, I pray you take these few simple thoughts tonight. Use them for your honor and glory. There may be somebody here tonight that's lost and needs to be saved. I know that you only know that. I pray you deal with hearts and lives. Maybe there's some young man or woman tonight that's considering missions. Maybe they're considering their family, lost and undone and on their way to hell and, and wondering how they can be motivated to do it. We know the world will laugh and mock, but Father, we pray that you'll help us to go as Jesus went, turning our back on the world and pressing forward to the mark and the prize set, of, set ahead for us. We pray that you'll get all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.